Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flag Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Bow, bow, bow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to, um, what are we going to call this? Going to have to have a long title because it's the Rod Hull This Is Your Life Odyssey. Yeah, we just couldn't. <laughs> we, let's, let's just call it the Rod Hull Odyssey because it's bound to go off in other directions. We're bound to <laughs> access will. Wikipedia at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, We're just using Rod Hull's the, the Overview of His Life by Eamon Andrews, and this is your life as a kind of uh, a jump-off point. Uh, yeah, it's the 1983 episode of This Is Your Life, devoted to Rod Hull. Um, and this, this came about recently. Someone got in touch. Uh, or you were talking about Rod Hull's um, about his, uh, sign outside his house. Don't piss on this car's tires. Don't piss on my tires. Don't piss on my tires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like a lyric from <laughs> a like a weird psychedelic sixties song. <laughs> hey man, don't piss on my tires. <laughs> I got a lot going on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The tires are metaphors. Yeah. So, in case you're not familiar with This Is Your Life, it was a series that ran on forever and ever on ITV, and each week there was a different celebrity who would be surprised by the presenter. It, it was Eamon Andrews originally, and then it was Michael Aspel uh, following the death of Eamon Andrews. Who's better? Andrews. Yeah. They're both good. Got to go. They're both good. But Asper was a perfect. He, yeah, know, he was very good. He, yeah, he took over and he did it with real aplomb. But Andrews was the original and best. It's a really Andrews. Go on. I was just going to say, like, it's actually a really good format, and it's really, mm. it's really well made television, right? In as much as everything, so much telly just is so transparently contrived. But mm. just watching it back, it used to be such a like. It wasn't a show that I looked forward to, but it was a show that when I was a kid, I'd just always watch. If I was sat yeah. there, which I usually well, would be, I'd watch. You, you, the whole family would always put it on, and it would be like, "Let's see who it who is." Who is it? Yeah, and then if it was yeah. someone good, like a footballer or a pop star, you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> If it was someone quite old who was on telly a bit before I was sentient, I'd be like, "Fucking yeah, hell, who's, who's this cunt?" <laughs> <laughs> Someone who used to be on Corrie in the sixties, right? Um, I mean, it's it, 
there's there's I bet there's been meetings about bringing it back. Yeah. But they would bring it back and it would be an hour long instead of uh, thirty minutes. Yeah. And you'd have the the celebrities and their pals doing challenges uh, or something like that. What I the, like about the, this is, is, is it enhance it? it journalistically it's 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 a really impressive feat because I know that sometimes the celebrity probably had found out and knew and had to pretend to be surprised. But I genuinely think, like, mm. in the Rod Hole case, I think he's genuinely surprised. I think nine times out of ten, they were. Yeah. And I think yeah, that yeah. the amount of gathering of information and individuals that they hunt down, it's like the team behind this were fucking really good at their jobs. They're good producers and journalists. And there was a neatness to the format as well, like... The little bits that mm. I'd forgotten because I hadn't seen it for so long until I watched this. But that thing where they have the voice of the next guest comes out yeah. over yeah. the speakers and sort of yeah. gives you a clue, gives gives the, 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 the main sort of protagonist the clue for who's coming next. It it's is. just a nice little thing. It's not always yeah. a surprise as such because sometimes it's just it's the wife or the whatever, someone very close. Mm. It's not always like, oh, we flew this long-lost friend in from Australia. But... It's just a nice little, de- like, sort of narrative device, isn't it? And they had it all just... Yeah. It's a show that's just right. It had a really neat format that told a story in a really compelling way. Don't see enough of that on the box, really, anymore. That's right. Um, and you know what? Very rare for an ITV show. It didn't have a commercial break in the middle. Is that right? Yeah, it just ran straight through 20, 25 what, minutes, why, whatever it why was. Why was that? Because it's too important to have a, <laughs> a fucking commercial break. Too important. They for must adverts. have cost themselves lo- a lot of money. Well, yeah, well, I don't know, but the, obviously you'd lose the narrative, wouldn't you? It, yeah, you know, so you're too, right. Too wow, important. I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah, um, but I mean, there's a lot of abuse of trust in the creation of each episode yeah, as well, because yeah. you've got the loved ones yeah. and the celebrity squirrelling around, lying to them, yeah. keeping things from them. Mm. And uh, yeah, do you think there was times, a few rows like afterwards? Because what I'm trying to do is, did, did, you know, Rod Hull. What makes this particularly amazing is, or, or fascinating, I think to me is that obviously Rod Hull, you and I regard him as a comic genius, but ultimately, it's Emu who's the star, and it's very yeah. easy because he's so good at making Emu come alive. It is really mm. easy, and I'm not joking, it's easy to forget that the bloke doing it all is Rod Hull, right? Rod Hull yeah. is the genius. Emu is just a, some fabric. <laughs> that, that isn't that isn't Rod Hull's right arm wrapped around the bird. Yeah, yeah. That's just a pretend it's a arm. Pretend arm. And then but but what do we know? About, with all these famous puppeteers, you know, Keith Harris. Mm. I wouldn't put him anywhere near the same league. Right, and uh, and of course, uh, Roger DeCourcy. These people, all of them, you know, what what was their life? Who were, who was the man behind the puppet? And that's why a yeah. rod hole, this is your life, is so amazing. But when he sat there and his wife comes out and straight away you think, okay, well, clearly his wife was the one doing all the um, assistance to the production crew. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sizing yeah. Rod up and I'm thinking to myself, is he sort of painting on a smile but secretly got the ump? <clears throat> And he's like, "You just, just you bloody wait. I'm gonna. Emu's gonna be very cross with you when we get home later. Emu's not gonna be happy about this. Emu might have to tell you off. And you know what that means? Yeah. Well, then you're getting into the territory of the sexy. Then <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they've got a special emu that's." Uh, 
you know, adapted for particular purposes. I don't want to go down that road. There probably were arguments, though, weren't there, between, like, the celebrity and the spouse, because, exactly like you say, abuse of trust. I mean, there'll be some... I mean, Rod Hull is quite subdued throughout this entire show. Mm. He's very softly spoken. I mean, there's times when you can't hear what he's He's saying. He's humbled. That's why. He's humbled. He's either humbled or he's got the hump. I'd be humbled. Would you be humbled? I'd be really humbled by it. I'd be humbled. Yeah. I'd be humbled. But, I mean, there'd be some some people who'd go along with it because it it happens and they they wouldn't want it to happen. They wouldn't want that kind of attention. Remind me, who were the ones who fucked him off? Spike Milligan did it. And yeah. wasn't there a footballer who did it as well? Was it someone like Mick Shannon? Um, I'm just re- reject this is your life. There was a short list of people. Because, of course, what they did was they showed it happening and them showed them going, no, thank you, Danny Blanchflower. That's <laughs> the footballer that, that turned this. it down. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Mind your own fucking business. Yeah, exactly. Keep your nose out of my business. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what they would do they'd show the rejection and then the screen would just go black oh. for the next 25 minutes <laughs> and it would be it would up. be deemed like a week of national mourning <laughs> it was of such yeah. huge significance the weekly episode of This Is Your Life it would be like a national crisis and the, que- yeah. the Queen would have to like issue a statement it is with great <laughs> sorrow that I tuned in <laughs> So this is your life on ITV this Wednesday evening, as I always do, with my husband, Philip, and my mother, the Queen Mother. <laughs> <laughs> Only to see Mr. Danny Blanchflower decline the opportunity to have all of his friends, colleagues, and loved ones relive the glorious moments of his life and career. It filled us all with deep shame and sorrow as a nation. <laughs> Guess who else turned it down? <laughs> Bill Oddie. <laughs> Fucking hell. He can be grumpy, oh, can't a, he? He can be grumpy. I was going to say notorious grump Bill Oddie. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I probably told you this before, but I actually know Bill Oddie a little bit through, not through my um, media connections, but my... Personally. Yeah. But my, what, but I, my, sis, my sister, my younger sister, her best, yeah. her best mate, is Bill Oddie's daughter. Brilliant. They've been best mates since they were, like, at primary school, right? Bill Oddie, then, is pretty much your brother-in-law. Let's well, say that. Well, I did once get Bill Oddie. I was once part of a pub quiz team for about 10 years that was right. in it, it, uh, my what used to be my local pub, and it, we were extremely competitive, and we, we took it probably too seriously. And when there was a mm. final each year with, a, with the trophy called the golden question mark we would always try and bring in a ringer right, right? it was me <laughs> yeah my missus my dad who fucking hell we, we could do a whole deep dive into my dad's conduct oh man my dad's that's con- the kind of my- thing that needed to be fucking filmed for posterity yeah, i mean my dad's you conduct, your dad doing a pub quiz it was God. his conduct was just simply outrageous it was, it was diabolical <laughs> at times <laughs> It was it was awful, and and he was he he barely he wasn't even drunk. I was usually drunk. His his the fucking mind games and everything he'd do with everyone else. I didn't really get the worst of it. The only good thing Every, was me. Hang on. Everyone else on your team or on the other teams? On, on our team, on all on the both. other teams, everything. He was just like it was like 
It was the way Fergie was when he managed Man U in their pomp. Like every, <laughs> he would be trying to, it was t- all about tiny margins. Do you know what I mean? Like anything <laughs> yeah. he could do to unsettle anyone, he would dispute yeah. every single like answer that the that the mm-hmm. really nice quiz master bar manager John, who was our mate, John, right? He would like he would fuck Ooh, with him constantly. He was let. I mean, he was a but we did oh. often win it. But one year, it was like we have to get our usual <laughs> ringer wasn't available, so we started going through all of the people who we could possibly get in to supplement the team for the final. <laughs> <laughs> and I remembered seeing Bill Oddie win Bill Celebrity Oddie. Mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> and I was... Is an MJ? Is an MJ friends with Bill Oddie? Come on, let's get his number. So I just got his number off my little sister and then just fucking called him up and was like, look, I'm MJ's brother. We've got a big pub quiz on. And I convinced him to come down. He came down. But oh, I'll, tell you some- I'll tell you something about him. He was really shy. Was he? Yes. So we were, he wasn't like, and uh, my dad is, how can I put this? Not shy. And uh, your dad was there as well, though, yeah? Yeah, yeah. My dad was there. Your dad and Bill Oddie on my, the same yeah, quiz my team. Yeah, my dad, Bill Oddie, oh, me, man. my wife, and there was a, another bloke called Richard who was our other sort of regular. Fucking and hell. Uh, and yeah, Bill Oddie was just like, um, Bill Oddie was a bit. It was, I got the strong sense at times he knew the answer, but because my dad's, my dad was like the captain, and he had. He was the alpha. My dad has an overbearing sort of like yeah. personality, and so yeah. Bill Oddie, I was going like at times I was going, Bill, do, do, do you have any guesses for this one? And Bill was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> Sam, Sam, this needs to be a player. He only he only piped up. <laughs> When there was um, anything on ornithology, or I remember once yeah. he answered, he, there was one about bees, and then he went into a big, big thing about bees, and I learned quite a lot about bees off of him. I mean, that's a kind of a spin-off of birds, it isn't is, it? Birds in a way, and bees. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much the same thing. You didn't write this as a play. No, my sister told you know his other main passion outside of ornithology is the music of Prince. Right? He's a huge oh, Prince God. fanatic. Did you know that about Bill Oddie? I did not. Well, I think, I think Prince was his subject on Celebrity Mastermind. In oh. one of the episodes, he chose Prince, and he loves it. Why aren't we deep diving? And this? my sister claims. But one morning when she was a kid, she she had a sleepover at Bilotti's and she came down in the morning and I think it was Purple Rain was playing really loudly. And Bill, as she calls him, which just always entertains me when she just refers to Bill. And I go, why don't you just call him Bill Oddie so I know which Bill you're talking about? And she said that he was crying and had a dead bird he'd found in the garden cupped it cradled in his hands oh. with prince's purple rain blaring out and he was crying and crying and she said oh, that's man. what greeted her. and she came down she was only about like 10 so it was quite disconcerting bloody hell i'm just looking i've just googled bill Oddie and prince yeah and in february 2014 which you remember was when prince did his hit and run tour of the yeah. uk where he would announce yeah. shows yeah. the day before on the same day yeah an hour before yeah, yeah. whatever secret gigs yeah <clears throat> Bill Oddie did a tweet which just said, Hey, Prince, mums need notice for babysitters. The number four, not the word four, because that's how Prince <laughs> did it. He's talking in Prince language. How, how about a concert for mother funkers only? <laughs> and then he says, you know you would love it with you, the letter, <laughs> yeah. rather yeah, than yeah. the word. I speak Prince, oh, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> urging Prince 
to uh, basically give us a bit more notice for the mum's net uh, uh, demographic for the the, the mum's net yeah and then somebody's replied to him and said my last Prince concert at the Apollo you were there two rows back great show (laughs) what Prince replied what Prince didn't reply no some fella replied oh right Prince didn't spot Bill hey hey it's Bill (laughs) (laughs) hey everyone stop I want to say come on come on up here Bill any, do we have any fans of the martial art? If I say the third, the martial art of Eki Thump, does that mean anything to any of you motherfuckers? <laughs> oh, man. This is so good. I did not know about Bill Oddie and Prince. Oh, yeah, he's, abs- he's a fanatic. And um, and this was on Mastermind, you say? Or you think it I was? I think he was on, yeah, I can't remember. I know. Maybe my sister just oh, told me. Or maybe God. he was on Mastermind Some on, of it's on, answering some questions. Some of it's on YouTube. Him answering questions about Prince. Ah, oh, it says here American jazz. Oh, okay. But well, that's probably one of his other ones of his uh, his loves. But oh, that's so good. But getting back to him refusing, <laughs> this is your life. Uh, it was my. It was two thousand and one, and Bill Oddie gave Michael Aspel a definite refusal when he was surprised by the Big Red Book while filming at Slimbridge Wildfell Trust. <laughs> So he was obviously on the on the job at the time. And there's a I'm picture of him. Picture of him. There's a picture of him holding up his hands as if to say, Oh my goodness me. But then he refuses it. Uh he's surrounded by swans. <laughs> Michael Aspel's got the book under his arm. Uh and it says Bill had a pact with his mates and the goodies this should all decline if asked to appear on the show. <laughs> Uh, Aspel says I crept up on him when he was doing one of his bird watching programmes he gave me a definite refusal disappointed I bade him goodbye and said no hard feelings luckily for us Bill's family told him they would kill him if he didn't appear so he changed his mind oh Uh, there you go Um, I think that he's acting like he didn't mind but I think there's something very vaguely of the power play in the way Aspel says when he was doing one of his bird watching programs I find that very subtly belittling isn't it one of his duck shows one of his shows where he fucking looks at birds (laughs) (laughs) not like me with my serious journalistic shows Richard Gordon, the it was Richard Gordon of the Doctor books and films. Are oh, they? They were a series of films, weren't they? Doctor, Doctor in the House, and all that. With all Dirk that Bogart. Sort of thing. Yeah, they were, yeah, yeah. And James Jefferson. What's his name? James Jeff- James Justice oh. Jeff Jefferson or someone. Like, James just. Oh, he's someone who requires James us. Justice Nelson Rogers. He's someone who requires a closer fucking look because he. And the character sure he plays that. in Doctor in the House, <laughs> yeah. fucking funny. And I actually I did find myself watching an interview with him not so James long ago. Robertson Justice, James wasn't Robertson it? Justice, you bloody, you thundering idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so the bloke that wrote them books knocked it back. Um, but not many did. Not many nah, did. I mean, God almighty. But, I was looking at Eamon Andrews because I remember Eamon Andrews mm. when he died mm. and he died mid this is not not during a recording but he was during the middle of a the series, series. Right. He, he died died with his boots on let's yeah. say like so many entertainers did How in they the 1980s wanted it. Yeah. like so many performers and entertainers died in their mid to late 50s 
in the 1980s because show business was about three things. It was about alcohol, it was about cigarettes, and it was about work-related stress. Yeah, wasn't it? it was. They, they all just, like Eric Morecambe, but the, 52 I, I or something I think by like the that. time they made it onto TV, they'd done so many years. A lot of them didn't make it on TV full-time until they were already middle-aged, and they'd done so many years yeah. on the circuit, in the pubs yeah. and clubs, inhaling all that passive uh, tobacco and nicotine as well. Yeah, Of course, exactly. that's what did from Roy Castle. But, but yeah, just yeah. all the travel up and down the land. I saw um, someone quote Barry Cryer the other day. Oh, it was I read an interview with Jack D, and he was talking about touring, and he said to quote Barry Cryer, "Barry Cryer, I do the shows for free. I love them. It's the, yeah. it's the travel there and back that you're paying me for, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Because it's just like." They just fucking go at their non-stop on the fucking road, aren't they, these lads? Yeah, and, I mean, we know this ourselves as touring yeah, artists. Yeah, but then we they know like... What it's all about. But imagine that. We're, I mean, we'll do it for like 10 days. And I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I'll feel really fucking knackered by the end of it. After all yeah. that driving and all that stuff. And But um, but these guys just, you know, those sorts of entertainers, especially in those days, just did it non-stop. Well, I suppose it's still the case. Stand-ups on the, on the rise still have to do that. <clears throat> non-stop don't they yeah I guess so but I mean but like you say there was all that passive smoking and everything yeah and, it was a lot a lot I mean, more hedonistic you know, I think a, yeah. a, lot, a lot of whiskey I think was consumed yeah. <laughs> yeah. back then that's how I picture so like you've all... always got a bottle of bells <clears throat> in your rucksack jalapeño planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. They all just dropped dead of heart attacks when they were yeah. between somewhere between 52. I mean, Eamon Andrews was 64. I've just looked it up. He was 64. But he was a big cunt and he used oh, to be a boxer. Did he? Yeah, so he that's looks, why he got he a few look, extra years, I He reckon. looks fucking handy, doesn't he? <clears throat> oh, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't turn down Eamon Andrews no. with a big red book because he'd yeah. fucking hit you with it. I'll fucking crack, <laughs> I'll fucking crack your jaw for you. You don't what say no to you me. <laughs> I'll ask you again. Hey. Don't, this is your life. Are you going to say yes? Am I going to introduce you to fucking Tweedledee and Tweedlefuck here? It's what I call my fists. <laughs> Look at the size of them. I got hands like fucking shovels, you cunt. <laughs> Never mind the big red book. You're going to meet me big red fists in a minute. Bill and Ben, the fucking flower pot man. <laughs> pop, pop, you little weed. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you like that, Addy? Addy, with your fucking duck show. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. 
That'd be Eamon, Two, Eamon right, looking what, down. He'd be like, I fucking tell you. It's a good job I'm not still alive. <laughs> he wouldn't pull a stunt like that on me like he does on Aspel. Aspel's a fucking soft touch. He's a walkover. He's a baby. He's a, he's a good horse, don't get me wrong, but he lacks the element of fear and threat. <laughs> <laughs> I had a menace about me I had a menace about me that compelled my victims to take part in the show Aspel just doesn't have that he's a nice guy there is a book called Forever and Ever Eamon uh, which was co-written by Eamon and his widow which he never finished but was completed by his wife and published in 1989 now we could quite easily apply the Roy Keane <laughs> methodology hope, yeah. to that book, I think. I hope so, yeah. It's worth thinking about. Aspel's a fucking I'll grammar school boy. <laughs> He's a little grammar school boy <laughs> from up the road. Where did he grow Trying up? Trying to get me belts. He's in fucking Surrey. and He t- he grew up, he went to a fucking grammar school in Surrey. He was a wee little, <laughs> he was a little lonely child. He used to go... To church at the weekend with a wee tie on. Come on, asshole. You're not taking the belts off me. Dead or alive, I'm still going to knock you cold. <laughs> Aspel was up there at church every Sunday morning while I was bare-knuckle boxing in a around pit. the back of a pub. In a pit. Dog. In those days, in we field. didn't have any JCBs. I had to dig the pit myself. The older <laughs> fellas. I was only eight. But I was six foot four when I was eight years old. Can you imagine that? I was 18 stone. And they'd give me a shovel and I'd dig the fucking pit myself. And then I'd jump in and send a big fella in there, 50 years old, hands like fucking boulders. And I'd go toe to toe with the cunt. And nine times out of ten, I'd knock him cold. That's what I was doing when I was a wee man. Where's your God now, asshole? <laughs> Say what you like about Jesus Christ. He's not going to give you that kind of life experience that I got down <coughs> in the pit. <laughs> That's one of the story that cropped up when I was doing a bit of research on this. And it's from uh, 2020, quite recent. And the headline is this. Rod Hull and Keith Harris widows preparing legal action to recover emu and Orville. <coughs> Now, what had happened was that the widows of Rod Hull and Keith Harris, who I'd forgotten had died, actually, but there you go, um, they were taking legal action because the owner of the agency who represented them both, a man called Roger Shaw, was putting the prop- the puppets up for sale because he said they were his property. <laughs> um, and the uh, widows both said, is it fuck your property? Yeah. It's ours. It's ours. It belonged to Keith and Rod. <clears throat> And their and, estate. Uh, and their estate, so they're now ours. Uh, International Artists was the name of the company. Uh, both Cher and myself, Cher being Rod's widow, uh, thought the puppets were in storage with international agents. I feel we are being held to ransom over the return of our own property, and it would be wrong to give Roger Shaw any money whatsoever. Roger Shaw had offered to sell them, them for 1600 quid each. <laughs> Fucking hell. He basically, he was holding Orville and Emu hostage to ransom. Yeah, he was going to auction them. I won't won't Uh, harm them. They're they're perfectly safe. They're being fed and watered. Right, and they're actually happy. I'll send you a photo of them. If I do not receive the money within 10 days, one digit will be removed from Emu's foot. I saw Keith Harris. I don't know if you call them toes, claws, whatever, and it will be sent to you in the post. Is it a huff? I think it's a huff. Um, (laughs) 
I uh, well, I was watching old Top of the Pops um, at Christmas as I always do, and um, mm-hmm. it's just funny when you watch it with your kids because they look at some of the shit that came up on Top of the Pops in the eighties, and they're yeah. like, "What the hell?" And this particular episode was a look back on the biggest hits of the year. I think it was the right. one with Lenny Henry hosting it, which was... Oh, the 1984 one, yeah. Do you see the one with Lenny Henry where it... It, it, it was on, yeah. He's di- it was on. He's different characters in each link. So he does yeah. a couple as Delbert Wilkins. He does one as Sergeant Ganja, who's a Rastafarian <laughs> policeman, who I've totally Is forgotten the policeman about. with the dreadlocks? Fucking hilarious. I'm watching thinking, fucking hell, Lenny Henry was so funny. I don't care what anyone says. In the 80s, he was so funny when he did Trevor McDonough yeah. and all of that. And he was really funny on this show. <laughs> and uh, But Keith Harrison Orville's on it. And he's, they're doing I Wish I Could Fly. And my son's going to me, what is this? And I go, it's Keith Harrison Orville. Why are they on this show? I said, because they had a song out. Why? I said, they were just really popular on TV. They're like kids act. But that, he went, well, that, that, pu- that, pu- that puppet is rubbish. It's a rubbish puppet. It's a big green, but it just looks crap. It's so, like, unrealistic. And I was like, oh, yeah, people liked it, though. It's just, like, the thing was, it was this big bird, and it was, like, it wore a nappy because it thought it was a human baby. <laughs> <laughs> and it thought that geezer was its um, mum. That's that's just what it was. And your kid just looks at you like, fucking hell, that is, you know, that's dis- that's actually disgusting. Yeah. That's actually grotesque. <clears throat> yeah. It was great. I mean, I hope that uh, our, our grandchildren or whatever will look back on YouTube as boxing each other on telly for yeah, money. And say the in same, the same thing. way. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, it's what? mad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, think, I don't know whether they got the, the puppets back. I mean, I'm assuming they did. Um, justice will have been done, surely. But, yeah, keeping the puppets hostage and sell, offering to sell them. He was going to uh, try and sell them for 10 grand each through an auction. But he was going to let them have them back for 1600 each. That's a good deal, I think. So, um, where are we? You know what? We've, we've fucking pretty much run Do we not time. want to just talk about the beginning or have we not got time? Um, well, it's too good. It's too good for us to skip um, over it in three minutes, yeah, how it starts. Well, well, it it starts with him and Andrew's dressed up as some kind of monster chicken. Yeah, and that. It, by the way, that's never really explained. He just no. turns out, I think it's at the BBC, isn't it? And he says, it's, here I am. And he's dressed as a huge chicken in a really thre- threadbare sort of disgusting old chicken costume. But he never says um, why. It's Thames Television's oh. Euston Studios. And oh. I don't know whereabouts in Euston that was. I think it was a big, well, maybe it was the big tower where Capital was. Yeah, ITV. It used to be the London Studios on the South Bank, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did, yeah. There was a big tower. Oh, I don't know. There was a big Houston Tower where Capital was and, an, and another there, one yeah. where there was a big publisher. It might have been one of those. <clears throat> so he's dressed up as this giant monster chicken, with the, which looks terrifying. Um, and what it is, it's, it's a show called CBTV. I don't know if you remember no. it. It was, um, it's the first thing that we ever saw Annika Rice on. Oh, yeah. In the early 80s, it was a kids' children's ITV show, and it was a couple of comedians called Jim Sweeney and Steve Steen mm. were on it. Uh, and it was just, it was kind of like a more anarchic sort of Blue Peter Magpie kind of show. Yeah. With loads of bits of stuff going on. Quite funny. It was good. Good show. I enjoyed it. And um, as I say, Annika Rice. Um, so it's, it's they're filming a thing about the children's Royal Variety show, which uh, apparently Rod Hull had devised the year before. It came up with the idea of the because there's always been the Royal Variety Show, 
yeah. which has gone on for decades. And then Rod says, let's do, do one just for kids. And this, uh, Eamon Andrews says that it raised £50,000 the previous year, which doesn't seem like a lot of money, but back then, I guess, pretty massive. Mm. Fifty grand. Um, and uh, they're filming a piece for the CBTV. And Sally James of Tis Was and Keith Chegwin are involved. And um, do, do, do we do we go into what happens? Let's do it. <laughs> There's a little. They're doing a little bit of business, a sketch where Emu and Rod Hull are working on reception, and there's a big queue of kids who are all there to appear in the audience and appear on the show singing. Yeah, I think. they all appeared in the previous year's show, apparently. Yeah, and they were, talk they about were the coming along. And so it's a thing. You see it done quite a lot. The Muppets always do this, where they do a sort of like uh, deconstruction kind of of the mm. show, and you see behind the scenes, and and they're you all see the- and Rod Hull and, and Emu are working the door. And, a little like we did in Sheffield. Yeah, time. exactly. But we were doing it for real because of incompetence. But um, <laughs> but this is just a little bit of business, a bit of fun, gross uh, incompetence. And and uh, and up comes uh, Sally James, and he has a little chat. Oh, I know you. Oh, hello. He does all that, doesn't he? Yeah. And uh, oh, look, look at you. It's Sally James. Yes, hello, Sally James. Um, Stand the ticket. Oh, and then, Emu, and then, oh, Emu yeah. has a bit of a sniff of her neck, doesn't he? Emu yeah, nuzzles yeah. her. <laughs> nuzzles her neck in a slightly seedy way. But he does, oh, he likes you. He, he says. likes you. But he does all that, our favourite thing, the stamp stamp. The favourite, the post office, stamp, stamp. the postmaster stamp stamp. The childhood ambition yeah. of both of us. Stamp stamp. Stamp that. Emu's doing it. Emu. Emu's got the, the stamp in his beak. Yeah. yeah. Stamp stamp. Yeah. Stamp stamp. To like certify her, and she goes on. But then Checkers arrives at mm. the front of the queue. Yeah, yeah. And he is less enamoured with Checkers. He doesn't like Checkers he's quite not, as much he as he doesn't likes Sally feel James. the same about Checkers as he did about Sally James. And like all of us. And he's like, well, I'm not. And uh, Rod and Emu uh, goes, no, this is um, Rod Hull going, no, no, this, this ticket you've got, no, this ticket you've got is for Swap Shop. It's Swap Shop. You can't come in here. And Shaggers won't have it. Said, hey, hang about. No, that's for CBTV. That's for CBTV. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not, is it's it, Emu? Shop. And he goes, it is, I'm telling you. And it starts to get, and in the end, like, it's actually Rod starting a bit of a confrontation. And Emu <laughs> does that thing where he, like, pulls his front lip back, where you know <laughs> yeah. that's the sign that he's about to kick off. <laughs> yeah. He's about to flip. And Shaggers... He's really, like, he's standing up for himself, isn't he? He's going, I'm telling you, this yeah. is the right pass, and they don't want to let him in. And oh. um, Emu does do a stamp stamp, but I think it's a he stamp. Does, yeah, he does. But it's, it's almost like, like a, a negative anyway, stamp like stamp. That. And then there's, yeah. the, there's the, the, the stamp stamps, and he stamps and stamps and stamps so hard that the desk collapses the front no, of the top I mean, of the that desk doesn't doesn't Chegger's sort of lean over to try and grab his ticket back and Emu but won't have it the desk in first oh yeah the, the, de- and the, de- the desk caves in and then the obviously the de- the at this stage desk. it's complete mayhem and fucking yeah. Chegger's falls into the desk and Rod yeah. and Emu are on the floor and Emu now the entire desk just collapses up, then doesn't up, it everything collapses it's fucking it's <laughs> pure it's, fa- it's a Fowder situation and yeah. um and of course, Emu just takes the opportunity to attack Checkers on the floor, <laughs> and the They're kids, are, the kids are p- 
pissing themselves. The kids in the There's queue behind. There's one kid who looks terrified. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a brilliant fight. And actually, <laughs> at that stage, Eamon uh, Andrews turns out in his chicken costume mm. with the red book and uh, with the iconic red book. Yeah. And um, yeah. at that stage, you're actually a bit gutted because it's so you funny. You want to see more. What's going on? Yeah. It's like, oh, Eamon, back up, mate. This is a good yeah, fucking. This is a good trick going on here. Let's just fucking let's let this breathe a little longer. This is <laughs> Emu is fighting Keith Chegwin on the floor. This is <laughs> this is what TV's all about. Now we've we've discussed in the past that classic uh, iconic um, Emu bit where uh, Emu pulls Rod into the chest freezer in the supermarket. Yeah, yeah. Emu and my favourite bit of that is where Rod says, as they're in the freezer, Rod says, we're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> <laughs> really funny reaction. That's the cream like, on the kick. Of course you're not supposed to fucking be in there. No one says be in a chest freezer. Emu <laughs> must know that. <laughs> but this... This bit with Chegwin, I think, is up there almost as good good. as the freezer bit. I would say my favourite ever emu bit is definitely the chest freezer escapade. Um, Yeah. Just just perfect. It's it's almost the funniest thing you can watch on the internet. I I watch it regularly to cheer myself up. Oh, it's a guaranteed winner. Yeah. And uh, I um, always, yeah, I get out. I share it. My my brother Theo's a massive emu fan as well. And sometimes on Sundays at my mum's, we'll get it out, put it on the phone. Have a look. Show it to yeah. me, mum. Cheer her up a bit. Here you go. Have a look yeah. at that. That'll cheer you up. Right. And everyone has a right good laugh. I don't think that can be beaten, but this this bit with Cheggers and the collapsing desk is certainly, I would say, a Champions League place worthy emu. You know bit what? Of, bit I'm of gonna, emu an- antic. I'm going to clip it out of the show and I'm going to tweet it on our yeah. Twitter account because it'll, it'll bring a lot of joy to a lot of people, I think. Yeah, it will. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Maybe he's got a few new listeners. We'll leave it there just as him and Andrews appears. While well, they're, know, they're literally hold. riding around on the floor when Andrews turns up dressed as a chicken. And listen, yeah. folks, the show just gets better and better from there on in. <laughs> One last thing that I've made a note of here that I meant to say to you is when Eamon yeah. Andrews is in um, is introducing the show at the beginning and he mm. walks past all these kids, he refers to them at least once, maybe twice, as all these boys and girls. And it occurred to me that boys and girls was something that everyone, if you were, children were referred to as boys and girls. And I mm. know, and I'm not going to get in some stupid like rant about gender identity because, you know, I'm not Piers Morgan or a cunt. So I'm not making a point about that. I'm just saying that as a phrase, boys and girls went out of fashion <clears throat> at some point, didn't it? Yeah. They go, here are all the lovely boys yeah. and girls. They wouldn't say kids yeah. or children. Yeah. You know, they'd say yeah, boys right. and girls. Yeah. Just an yeah. observation. Don't know what. And it went out of fashion long before gender politics became, or, or pro, pronoun politics became a, an issue, which has only been the last sort of five years or so. This is like yeah. 30 years ago, they stopped saying boys and girls. No idea why. Not. I'm not calling for it to come back. It's just merely an observation. <laughs> I will say that... I will say that me and Bob used it during the live Athletic Mission. What boys and girls? Refer to the audience as boys and girls. Did you yeah. did you get did you did you get any complaints? <laughs> oh, good. No one got cancelled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was fun though. <laughs> um boys right, we'll and leave girls. it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. We'll leave it there. 
Uh, and there's plenty more to come from this fantastic, iconic episode of This Is Your Life. Uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.